0: Llegó la venta envuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Red Bull después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. Penny. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.
1: Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra Inn podcast with the 12th Inn Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know, news, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra Inn podcast with the 12th Inn Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. We have
2: liftoff on the Extra Extra podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. Once again, Price Atkinson joined by the Godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, founder, co-founder, I should say, of TESN, where you can listen to us every single week at tsn.us forward slash podcast, along with the Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcast, the myriad of ways you get your podcast every week. But, Joseph welcome back in missed you last week but uh, you know had some interesting developments that, that we're gonna get to but hope uh, you and the family and uh, up in Rochester are, are all safe and healthy as we continue to navigate these uh, crazy and still uncertain times
3: thanks price and happy draft day to you <laughs> as we are recording on Thursday night uh, the NFL draft starts tonight it's it's like it's almost like real sports are happening price I don't know what's going on
2: yeah, I got to eat crow because I've trashed the NFL draft for years in being just a complete, total waste of time, especially when it comes to sports viewing and stuff like that. But, golly, I'm going to have to eat a massive heaping of crow tonight because, look, it's the closest thing we got to sports right now. Yeah, there are no results, clearly, but at least it gives us something to sink our teeth in in the sports side of things. I'm going to get a full helping of it tonight and this weekend because. Uh, that's the only thing happening right now. And so, yes, I'm going to eat a lot of crow that I thought it's an utter waste of time of people that sit there and don't get off their couches for three days to watch every pick being labeled the greatest pick in the world. I'm going to be dialed in. I uh, Yes, you can call me a flip-flop trader. Color me whatever you want. Uh, I'm in for tonight. And I hate to say it, I'm a little bit excited about it too.
3: Price, I think you're really going to enjoy it, you know, because, you know, when you get to the draft, the video packages are the highlights of every single player for their entire college career. So, I mean, they never – there's no bad plays that are ever shown. So every draft pick looks like the, the world beater that their team hopes them to be. So it's it's – that for that reason, it's a lot. It's pretty exciting because you get to see the best plays in college football for the last four years.
2: Well, I'm gonna eat a lot of crap tonight, uh, but we'll talk about the draft here in the final segment. Uh, we do have a guest this week. Uh, you caught up with Dean Gimmel, Mr. Brush, like a badass himself. Um, remember the USCA board? Um, but you guys talked uh, covered a lot of ground. I'll let you just kind of preview uh, your interview with Dean in the next segment, but you know, physical prep for, for next season, off season training, that kind of stuff. But you know, how, um, how's Mr. Gimel and, uh, you know, give everybody just a little bit of a teaser on what they can hear in the next segment with, uh, you and Dean Gimmel.
3: Yeah, it was nice checking in with Dean. Dean's been a supporter of TESN mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years and, uh, has helped us on the podcast or on the, I'm sorry, on the webcast, mm-hmm. uh, at a pretty regular basis when he's been available, um, we talked a lot about you know what you're doing in the off season in this uh, COVID world. How you're going to train? How are you going to uh, prepare for the uh, next season, come fall? Hopefully in the fall. Talked a little bit about sweeping and, and you know techniques around sweeping. As he's got the brush like a badass uh, workshop and book out there. Talked about his budding uh, stand up comedy career. Uh, career may be a, a <laughs> little loose of a term, but we'll see how, we'll see how he's doing in, with that. And we also talked about his role in the uh, athletes advisory council. So. Uh, talk to cover a lot of ground and talk to him for a good 20 minutes so it'll be a good interview
2: we're looking forward to that in the next segment and uh, we will have that interview with uh, Dean Gimbel so uh, stay tuned for that coming up Uh, but some news uh, Joe this week um, we found out yesterday some exciting news when it comes to uh, Southern California the Southern California Curling Center announcing a uh, a location agreement with with Hollywood Curling a, a club that's been around for a while now, but been kind of nomadic in terms of where they've called home, and they now will have a dedicated home. It's going to be called the Southern California Curling Center. It's going to be uh, there in the downtown Los Angeles area, I believe, in, um, I guess, what's technically Vernon, California. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know the L.A. area that great, but technically that's where I saw in the mailing address is Vernon, but uh, pretty close, right in the downtown area uh, in a warehouse but exciting news um uh, you know signing this agreement um you know to build it and our friends uh you know my, my good friend especially um uh, side uh, out of uh, with ice grid isis um iss ice Spo- ice sports solar side Hakim, uh the president uh, of, of iss based out of germany they're going to do the ice with their ice grid um you know system and technology um I think this is fantastic, especially, Joe, to have this kind of a, a, a base and center, a six-sheeter out on the West Coast. This is uh, fantastic news for, you know, the sport, the region, uh, everybody involved.
3: Yeah, you know, it's going to be a 42,000-square-foot warehouse space that they're converting into a curling facility. Um, it's going to be open year-round, which is also pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about this because it wasn't too long ago that we had kind of heard that because of what was going on with COVID that Hollywood had kind of lost their home. Um, and so now having a permanent home is like the best news you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest cities in the U.S. Um, they, they have 150 members, I'm sure, that with six sheets and uh, year-round ice, they're going to just boom. And uh, John Schuster is going to be involved in this as well. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And Chad McMullen at Rock Solid Productions... It's also going to be involved as an advisory board member, so uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, You know, hopefully, we can get something going in New York City. Dean actually talks a little bit about uh, what's going on in New York City in our interview, but uh, that would be terrific too if we can get something going in in both these major cities. Uh, That would be a pretty big boom for USA Curling.
2: Yeah, definitely would be at curling underscore la on Twitter. That's how you can follow the Southern California Curling Center. Uh, their new account just uh, made the announcement. What yesterday, Joe, and certainly Hollywood at Hollywood Curl, you can follow them. Southern California's first dedicated facility to curling, and you touched on uh, some of the specifics there. I, I think the year-round part is pretty exciting, and you know it's exciting too at a time where the mixed doubles trials um, is we as we obviously know it, and, and nothing has changed. I mean, this is next March, but. The U.S. Uh, mixed Doubles Olympic Trials is going to be out in uh, the greater uh, Orange County area next March, March of 2021. And then I, I know it had been talked about. I, I don't even remember where everything stood, uh, but I know that there was some talk about uh, Curling Night in America filming uh, in August uh, of this, this coming August, whether that we don't know. But I know it was talked about. I don't remember if it was announced or what, but that was going to be held in uh, – In Orange County as well. So a lot of big things and especially big things on the horizon for for Southern California and the sport of curling, Joe, that's just fantastic when you kind of package it all together. That's a lot of momentum you got going for that area.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that was uh, announced in August that Curling Night in America was going to be out in in L.A. And if it wasn't, we just broke the news now. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was already announced. But, you know, it's after 13 years of renting ice at different ice rinks, it's great for Hollywood Curling to have their own dedicated facility.
2: That's pretty terrific. Yeah. And some great people in that club. Um, You know, the fact that they've been a mainstay and, you know, their, their blockbuster, their summer spiel is one of the best you can find usually around 4th of July. It's just, you know, they get some of the you know, local celebrities to come in and play and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's become one of the, maybe if not one of the premier, you know, kind of summer spiel to play in because uh, I know a lot of, you know, Canadian players, professionals come down and play. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of uh, some of the European based players have come over uh, a couple of times and played in it. So um, Jerry Gertz has been trying to recruit me to go out there. It's certainly not going to happen this summer. Um, but I think one of these days I, I definitely would like to go out there, especially when they, when they get this new facility built. But uh, congratulations to everybody involved with the Southern California Curling Center uh, and that exciting news um, coming online yesterday that we found out about. But uh, some more exciting news, Joe. Uh, a team change slash announcement we typically – Get these announcements from the USCA package together as a, a, you know, kind of a high performance package uh, in sometime in the month of May where they announce the teams. But we find out yesterday um, Greg Persinger uh, officially decided to, to step away from Team Ruining, and uh, his stepping away opens the door and that Andrew Stopera will now move in to. Uh, to play with uh, with Richie, Phil Tilker, Colin Huffman, and uh, Croy Nurnberger next year, coached by Pete Annis. So some uh, some big news, at least uh, idle news, that we don't normally get in this kind of manner that, that broke yesterday.
3: Yeah, it sort of seems overdue for Stoper to, to be on the uh, Team USA. He certainly, as a junior, accomplished quite a bit, and uh, I was sort of surprised last year when he didn't make uh, one of the three men's teams. Um but, you know, that seems like it's all been rectified at this point. He's going to be playing for uh, Team Ruining.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a really good fit. Uh, I, I definitely expect some other changes to be coming down, you know, the pike. Certainly we know Jamie uh, Sinclair. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with that entire team. You know, at least we haven't gotten any announcement. I, I do expect some others to be coming up, um, you know, when the USCA does make those. But, you know, as, as far as Team Ruining, I, I think the fit for Stopera is, is a really good one. I, I know I talked to Pete Annis, their coach, yesterday for a while. I know he said he had to really work hard on this one. But they didn't have the the, the glaring weakness, Joe, or I don't want to say weakness, but the glaring hole. They didn't have a third anymore. I mean, you've got a bunch of front-end players and Phil Tilker and, and Colin Huffman and, and Croy Nurnberger. And then you got Richie on the back end. That's it. They had to find somebody number one that could throw third stones, which which obviously Andrew did this past season with with Todd Bird's rank before stepping in to skip at Nationals after Todd got sick. But the other thing I think it gives you is it gives you another guy that the versatility that that could skip a team. You know, Andrew obviously had a decorated junior career. You know, took the uh, the U.S. Juniors to a, a silver medal and then a pair of top five finishes. I might say disappointing top five finishes because I know. You know, they certainly, after winning that silver, they were gunning for much more than a silver in those subsequent years. But, you know, he skipped those teams, and they had great success at the junior level. Uh, His pedigree obviously speaks for itself. I know, you know, his dad is one of your favorite tire people in this sport. Um, But they had to have somebody, I mean, if Richie gets sick, if if he gets hurt, you had to have some of that versatility of of a guy that could throw third stones, but that could skip the team if you had to have it, needed it.
3: Yeah, I think Andrew brings a lot to the table in that, in that, from that perspective. Uh, back-end player for a good part of his career. Um, and certainly has a strategy knowledge that's going to be necessary. Uh, but I think that this is a great deal for him, besides mm-hmm. being a great deal for Team Ruining. I mean, you put him on a team with veterans uh, like this, and he's just going to learn and grow. And when he's ready to take that step and be a skip on a, a Team USA men's team, he's going to be ready to go. Um, There's no doubt about it. Richie is the type of person who I think elevates the game of everybody around him, and I think he's going to do the same for Andrew.
2: Yeah, and Richie's a a, – as much as Richie likes to talk, he he does like to teach too, and I I think it's a great teaching opportunity for him and and subsequently a great learning opportunity for Andrew to learn after Richie, you know, a guy that – you know, look, Richie can talk. Literally, he will talk from sun up to sun down. Talk curling and strategy as long as you want to have a seat at the table and, and go down that road because he loves it. And you know, I think Andrew too. I think you know, playing with some of these guys that I mean, look, I mean, he's joining a top twenty team in the world. You know, Richie's team had you know one of the best you know best seasons uh, uh you know on tour this year for for Team USA and. You know, I, I can't remember I have to pull up the rankings here in a few minutes you know, you know when we talk about this but you know this is a top 20, a bona fide top ten team a team that was knocking on the door I believe at one time and talking with Richie yesterday that they were right outside the top ten nationally so you know you're not just joining any team you're joining a team that you know has competed at some of the higher levels and you know it' the, the thing I talked to Richie about too is you know this team is still building, you know, they are getting better. You know, we, two years ago, they had some, you know, great moments. And um, then this year they continued to get better. Who knows how much higher they could climb next year. Might still para be a guy that, you know, consistency wise, I know that's something that, you know, that Greg struggled with at times, you know, throwing third stones was just simple consistency. And so if Andrew can give that to him, man, maybe they can soar even higher, Joe. Yeah, no,
3: obviously this team has high expectations. I mean, they're going to be looking at, to- to be in the Olympic trials uh, coming up in the next year and a half or so. Um, and honestly, you know, in the position that they're in, as highly ranked as they are in the World Curling Tour uh, rankings, they could have picked almost anybody to fill this spot. Um, the fact that they picked Stoper, I think, says a lot about Andrew's ability and the confidence that they have in him filling that void.
2: Yeah, right now, uh, well, I guess right now it's not the way to term it. Um, finish the season with the season done, uh, 15th in the world, uh, just one spot behind Dropkin. The Young Bucks were just uh, just about seven and a half points ahead of Ruinin, uh for uh, the 15th spot. Dropkin 14, Ruinen 15, Schuster 19. So three men's teams ranked in the top 20 in the world. And, you know, again, just a, a great opportunity uh I, the biggest thing is I want to see how this translates on the ice because, you know, Andrew is certainly a talented young player. The one thing I was curious about is what, you know, where Andrew would fit in all this because, you know, with a lot of his former junior team, I believe most of them, right? Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, aging up. You know, they got, they're got they aging out of juniors. You know, would they try and put those guys back together? Because obviously what they did, the junior level work, this is a different story now. Uh, but was that something that, that, that the USCA and – you know, some of the folks might look at uh, you know as the best move for him, but obviously, clearly not.
3: You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you you just laid it out there. There's three men's teams in the top 20 in the world um, right now. We only have three men's uh, team USA spots. Um, so where do you put those those folks aging out of juniors um, that might have been reunited with Andrew? <laughs> should there should there have been a spot uh, available? Um, I don't know if there is a spot. I mean, It probably depends on funding and what they're able to bring in between now and, you know, when they have to make those types of announcements. Um, but, you know, it leaves people like Lou Violette maybe wondering, where do I fit at this point? And, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's a good spot for him somewhere and, he and the rest of his team. Um, you know, they certainly accomplished quite a bit while with Andrew and then on their own. Yeah. So I'd like to see them find a spot. But I don't know where that's going to come from right now with the team's uh, sort of laid out the way they are.
2: Well, I know you can't uh, put the cart before the horse, but, you know, looking ahead, you know, after this Olympic cycle, this next cycle, I mean, you look at the skips in the program, I, I'm not going to go and date, you know, Richie or John, but, you know, is Richie and John going to want to stay a part of the program for a, you know, you know, are they going to want to take some time away, I guess is the biggest thing, whether they, you know, permanently retire, if they just go, you know, do it with a self-formed team, I don't know. But my point is, is after this next Olympic cycle, how many skips are going to be left in on the men's side? You know, in the U.S. program, Corey Dropkins is, could very well be one of the last ones standing. Obviously, this is just speculating what you know what Richie and John might do, but I I just don't. You know, do, is there another Olympic run? Yet another one in for both of them? I I tend to lean no. So then again, where are you going to find the skips? And so this is where you start trying to groom a, a guy like Andrew Stopera.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's a good point in terms of. Um... Luke's, Luke's team, actually. I mean, sure. if there's some way to keep that team together in the next two years to sort of see what happens with maybe a Richie or a John um, and, and those teams, you'd I think you'd want to do it, but, you know, do you have the money and the the, avail- the availability to do that? I just don't know.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, we got more to talk about here coming up in the next segment, final segment, too. But next segment, can you brush like a badass? We'll find out. Dean Gimmel, Himself, uh, part of the USCA board uh, out of New York. Um, Joe caught up with him earlier this week. Don't miss that interview with Dean Gimmel and Joe coming up next. And then the Godfather and I will be back for the final segment. We're going to talk drafts, all thing drafts, and it's not just NFL drafts. we got a lot to talk about in that final segment, Joe, and uh, we'll come right back with that interview with Dean Gimmel and then our final segment right here on the Extra Extra Podcast with the Twelve Minute Sports Network.
0: Llegó la venta envuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Red Bull después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.
3: We're back here on the Extra Extra End Podcast. We are now joined by writer, comedian, curling instructor, and 2012 USA Curling National Champion, Dean Gemmel. Dean, welcome to the podcast.
4: Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here.
3: Uh, so, Dean, let's uh, get this right out of the way. Uh, how are you doing in this time of the uh, COVID crisis?
4: Well, like anybody else, uh, I'm managing. Uh, certainly, it's uh, kids home from school, and uh, here in New Jersey, we're close to the epicenter. Uh, Right around it, so it's certainly on everybody's minds, and certainly behavior has changed. And uh, uh, I'm well stocked on toilet paper, getting a little nervous about that, so uh, I need to I need to come up with some toilet paper,
3: <laughs> as we all do. Uh, so you know the uh, the theme for this particular podcast is uh, the off season, and and what can you do to improve your game in the off season? The reason why I, I have you on the podcast today is that you the co-author of the book, Fit to Curl. It's a book you co-wrote with John Morris. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book in the first place?
4: Well, uh, we wrote the book. The book came out in 2009. I started working with John on it in 2008. Uh, and uh, contrast that to now where, you know, really all of the top players are, are very fit. You don't see players at the elite level who aren't. Uh, maybe a couple exceptions, but in general, they're all fit. And uh, when we wrote it at the time part of our motivation was to show the curling the non-curling world that uh, curling was a real physical activity and uh, took some uh, training and fitness and John was you know part of team Martin at the time and they were actually one of the first teams to really embrace fitness and and try to be the fittest players in the ice so that that was uh, part of the motivation and then we also realized there was an opportunity because no one had no one had written a book about training for curling specifically so there was a You know, Whenever you're publishing a book, you're trying to find an opportunity, and that seemed like a good opportunity.
3: It certainly filled the void, and it must be so good because no one else has tried it since.
4: Yeah, funny, John and I have talked about doing a second edition. We've just never, neither one of us has been able to quite find the time. It does take a bit of time. Uh, I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that there isn't a more updated version. There's certainly things we'd like to update in it, although most of it, I think, holds up, but there's certainly... You know, John has changed a little bit probably how he's trained, so uh, if we did it again, it would be different. So maybe one of these days we'll do a second edition, especially now that John's back in the men's game and playing second uh, at at an older age, Uh, so we'll see.
3: So as we're all dealing with a kind of an abbreviated curling season and very long off season and a lot of uncertainty about the future, how do you think we as curlers should be thinking about the off season when it comes to fitness?
4: Well, I think I think we should just enjoy that it's longer. Uh, you know, the curling season stretches pretty long now, so maybe it's a good thing that we get a little longer break this year. But uh, no, seriously, I, I think it's not much different than most years. I think most of the most of the top players, and I think if you're aspiring to be a top player, uh, certainly the season ends. You take a little bit of a break, and then you need to figure out how to, you know, what can you do to improve your game the next season by. Uh, making yourself a little stronger, fitter, more flexible. So uh, with a little more time, there's really, I guess, no excuse not to do that for next season. Um, I always liked, uh, when I was playing seriously, I always liked a few weeks off just because I always felt like at the end of the year uh, my body was needed a bit of a break. So I, I do advise that. But we've all got a lot of time right now, so there's really no excuse for not getting in the best shape you can be, even if you can't get to a gym.
3: Yeah, and and like you just said, you know, obviously a lot of us uh, who uh, maybe have gym memberships don't have the opportunity to get there right now. Well, So what can people do at home that might be able to replicate the types of workouts they're they're missing out on?
4: Well, you know what I really miss from the gym, Joe, is the steam room. That's about it, I think. No, I I miss going to the gym, but what's funny is when I wrote the book with John, uh, when I started it, uh, I wasn't doing much training, uh, and then by the time I we my own team won in 2012, I was in about the best shape of my life at the time. Was, I think I was 44 at that time, so I was an older player. Um, but a lot of this stuff in our book uh, can be done at home, just with dumbbells um, and body weight exercises. So there's certainly a lot you can do at home. I know, you know, I I, I do go to a gym now, but but back. Back when we were doing the book, John would send me notes on the, on the exercises and I would do them literally for the first time usually in my house. So outside of a few big pieces of equipment, if you have a few dumbbells and you can do bodyweight exercises and you can do high-intensity interval training, you, know, you can maintain or even improve the, the physical fitness you're in. It's just I think we have to find the motivation to do it because maybe it's not part of the usual routine of getting up and going to a gym.
3: So what you're saying is that there's hope for me, even though I, I don't belong to a gym.
4: Definitely hope, Joe. I, I, like I said, I think, I think the biggest challenge for people to get fit is just motivation. It's not a gym membership. I actually, I, like I said, I went a long time without one. I did everything at home and uh, I used to do sprinting in a park for high intensity interval training. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think a gym is necessary, but it's certainly nice, right? I mean, there's certainly value to the equipment in a gym and I, I certainly enjoy belonging to one now.
3: So you're also the creator of the Brush Like a Badass workshop. It's an offshoot of the second book uh, that you wrote by the same name, where you teach curlers effective sweeping technique and tactics. Are there anything that curlers can do specifically to improve in terms of sweeping when they get back on the ice in the fall?
4: Well, it's interesting. A lot of people ask me that when they take the clinic or they buy the ebook, and And I always say, you know, I think the best, you know, there's not one specific thing you can do for brushing, mainly because I think, Brushing is a total body uh, activity. You know, there's not, some people might think, oh, if you have, you know, strong arms would be a great brusher. And certainly strong arms are part of it. But uh, the best brushers are using all parts of their body. I mean, you're, you should be really engaging your core, your legs, your back. So you really need a high level of overall fitness, lean muscle mass, lean strength. So I, I don't specific brushing exercise. I know some people used to see Back before fitness was as big a deal, you'd see people try. You know, they'd be brushing on a Teflon piece of Teflon in their garage, and I just don't think that there's that's going to be all that effective. I just aim for general, overall, uh, high levels of fitness.
3: Maybe the one good thing that's come out of COVID is that TSN is showing more curling probably now than they ever have. Um, they need content, so they're throwing games out on the uh, onto the network. On yeah, a it's been great. Basis. So you know, as you're looking out into the uh, the competitive landscape, I guess, and what you might be able to see on TV. Are there people out there on TV or, or maybe on the streams um, that you would indicate are probably sweepers who have great technique?
4: Yeah, in terms of technique, I, you know, I'd say on the women's side, uh, if I was a, a female player and if I was going to a developing player and I wanted to try to mimic anyone, it'd probably be Joanne Courtney on the women's side. I think most people tend to think of her as the best brusher in the women's game. You know, on the men's side, and and she's certainly not the only great female brusher, but she comes to mind because she has such good flat back technique, feet outside the hip line, really generates a lot of uh, pressure on the brush head and, and and a lot of speed. I think on the men's side, you know, there's a there's a number that come to mind here in the United States. You know, he, he's not he's not brushing as much anymore, except in mixed doubles, but certainly Corey Dropkin, a uh, young guy who has embraced fitness and can really match his speed and pressure together. Colin Huffman down here in the U.S. is a is a bigger guy, and sometimes that can be a bit of a disadvantage to be taller, but I, I think Colin manages to get his body in a really good position to generate a lot of pressure on the brush head, and then, you know, I've always, like E.J. Harden on, on Jacob's team, I always like his technique again, a flat back, feet well outside the hip line, active feet, I think those are all things that uh, players with the best technique, you know, show when they brush, so uh, I used to talk a bit too, in in my clinics, I would I would often mention the uh, Morizumi's Japanese team. They're not even playing right now, I don't think, but they used to have, in terms of pure technique, they had you know the really back so flat you could put a tray of drinks on them. So they were certainly a good. Uh, their front end was a good duo to watch.
3: Yeah, I. Colin Huffman is a terrific sweeper, and I guess the only thing I would say to him is that the guy's got to remember to breathe once in a while. That guy puts in some maximum effort, and I think sometimes he forgets to breathe.
4: <laughs> that is a uh, – Pretty yeah. winded. It's an interesting point, actually. It is easy to forget to breathe when you're brushing. I used to have to try to convince myself to do that. I would never noticed that, but maybe uh, maybe Colin will listen and, and realize that he's not breathing. I don't know. I've never really noticed maybe he isn't
3: well, the guy puts in maximum effort. There's no doubt about it, and, and his technique is flawless. He's he's pretty amazing.
4: And he's but, a pretty strong guy, so yeah, that helps.
3: Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's shift gears real quick here, Dean. Um, you are on the Athlete Advisory Committee for the USCA. What does that mean, and what does that committee actually do?
4: So uh, the Athlete Advisory Committee for USA Curling or USCA is um, – uh, as part of this, related to the Ted Stevens Act, which uh, guarantees uh, its right to compete and guarantees athlete participation. So, because of that, twenty percent of our board, our USA board, has to be made up of athletes, uh, and those athletes come from the athlete advisory council. So, the athlete advisory council is elected, and then within that, we elect uh, we elect board members. However, many board members gets us to twenty percent of our of our board. So, currently, that's our chair, Bill Stopera, Craig. Brown board, Schultz, Stephanie Seneca, and myself are on the board. We're actually above 20%. So the Athletes Advisory Council, uh, people who are eligible for that can also run for positions on it. To be eligible for the Athletes Advisory Council in curling, you either have finished in the top half of our nationals within the last two years, or you have represented the United States at a world championship or an Olympic game. So That's sort of how I've been on it uh, since uh, I first got on it in 2010 when we finished in the top half of the field with Matt Hames, and I've been on and off periodically the AAC since then. So that's, uh, that's the AAC within the USA Curling, and then my own role within that to make it more complicated, make a long story even longer, I'm the USA Curling Athlete Advisory Council rep to the USOPC Athlete Advisory Council. Um, so that's every national governing body, every sports national governing body gets a rep to that. So that that's been a, a rewarding and a interesting experience because you meet with athletes from all other sports. So twice a year, uh, and then we have regular weekly meetings as well. But uh, you know, I'm bringing the uh, curling athletes to to it. But it, we also are collectively serving as the athlete voice within. Uh, the USOPC and we've made some big moves in the last since I've been on it we have a great leadership group on that and we're and I'm in the process I'm on a committee that's uh, part of hiring an executive director to make that a full-time job because it's really been volunteer run so hopefully I think at the end of my tenure which is coming up I'll feel like we have uh, moved the needle a bit for the athlete voice within the USOPC
3: in the last few years, you've decided to jump sort of feet first into the world of stand-up comedy. What made you take up such a challenge, and how do you stay sharp while the world's under quarantine? Do your, do your wife and kids get a show every night? Huh.
4: The wife and kids definitely do not get a show every night uh, or ever, really. My comedy isn't entirely family-friendly, even though it's often about family. But I also know they really don't like hearing from me anyway, so they don't get a show. Uh, I, I might have jumped into comedy because I think curling has some of the funniest people around. Uh, and maybe I wanted to get funnier. Now, actually, no, I, I've always been a fan of stand up. It just became a thing I thought I, I may as well try before I before I'm dead. Right. So I, I, I jumped into it and found out I don't suck at it. So I, I I've kept at it. And I certainly wish I was 25 and could put a little bit more time into it. But I, I do manage to get out and certainly not right now. Uh, or who knows when comedy will ever will be back. But uh, I had been getting out and, and uh, it's certainly something I enjoy and, uh, you know, I'd like to do more of.
3: So it's been a while since you've uh, played the sport of curling competitively, I guess. And and so what's more competitive, the world of stand-up comedy or the world of competitive curling?
4: Well, uh, competitive curling is certainly competitive, but I'd have to say stand-up is uh, more competitive. Uh, it's certainly partly because there are so many people doing stand-up comedy, especially these days. So the, the barrier to entry is slightly different, but then the barrier to entry to the elite level of comedy, because there are so many really tremendously talented stand-up comics, the barrier to the elite level is is is, is a big one. You know, so I, I would say stand-up comedy is more competitive. There's no, partly too, there's no true clear path. Uh, certainly in curling or other sports, you can say, okay, if I improve here, I'll advance through this, and I'll get to this level, and then to the next level. There's no. Certainly, no guarantees like that in stand-up comedy.
3: So you're enjoying you're enjoying it, and uh, you think you're going to continue to do it for a little while.
4: Yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, you know, as, until my brain starts to pickle and I can't remember things on stage, I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, I do. Th- you know, there's certainly a craft to it that's sort of uh, good to learn. I mean, I, I think I'm a, probably my best talent as a stand-up comedian is my ability to write comedy. So uh, certainly, but I've learned how to work with a crowd more and. So, you know, it's a challenge, and honestly, um, since I stopped curling seriously, uh, you know, it's sort of taken up a, a role in my life as something I'm, you know, working on and trying to get better at, since I, I certainly, I, I don't think I'm going to get any better at curling at this point. That's why I, the the year I stopped competing, I said to Bill Stouper after at our last nationals, I said, you know, Bill, from 40 to 45, we improved. We're not going to get any better from here on out. We're not going to improve. So maybe I'll play seniors, but uh, but that's going to be about it.
3: I'd love to see that senior team. Maybe you and Billy put something together.
4: We've talked about it. He's, he's, he's been pushing for it. I've actually been eligible to play seniors the last two years, but uh, my ego wouldn't let me sign up. I don't think yet. So, but uh, if there, if things actually go next year, uh, maybe we, uh, maybe I'll dip my toe into the seniors waters with uh, (laughs) somebody. I just, I don't, I don't want to sweep six rocks anymore though. So we need to find a front end.
3: Can you wait three years for me? I'll, I'll, you know, go through your book, I'll be ready to go.
4: All right, Joe, I'll keep that in mind.
3: <laughs> so with uh, so much of the sports world up in the air during this pandemic, what steps do you think that curling can take specifically maybe USA curling to gain traction in the minds of uh, sports viewers?
4: Well, yeah, it's a, that's a tricky one, right? Because, you know, right now, as much as anything, we're like any other sport, we're just trying to uh, find our way through this current crisis. Um, you know, and, and we, you know, we just hired a, a new CEO, a guy named Jeff Plush, who certainly some people have already met, and you know it's going to be terrific. Uh, he has already brought a lot of uh, good ideas and uh, new thinking, and and I think part of the challenge for him is, you know, he really wanted to be using this time as the season wound down to get out there and uh, be in clubs and meet curlers, and instead he's sort of stuck like the rest of us. But you know, I. Certainly in Canada, they have this, this leverage, which has been great for them to put the game on TSN more. We don't have uh, – and curling, I think, is one of the sports that you can watch a game you know the outcome of, and it's actually still sort of enjoyable versus a lot of other sports. You know, hopefully people can uh, go back and watch uh, the games on, 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 your, on your service, on Tessin, 12th End Sports Network, because I know you have a lot of games on there, and maybe we can do some promotion of getting people to watch games on there. But there's not a real clear path i think for us to capitalize over other sports um i think one of the reasons baseball is even considering playing right now is they they might see an opportunity to capitalize in, in tv with it but um we don't have the bank of coverage that we can put on network but but maybe we can start pushing more people to to see old games on on uh on services like yours
3: yeah you know what? um it's been nice to go back on on tsn and see some games from like 2009 like you know, that was sort of like the heyday of, of Howard and Martin and seeing yeah. those two teams play uh, in, in, you know, I, I don't remember that far back. So 11 years ago, I don't remember the outcome. So it's a lot of fun to kind of watch and see how those two teams kind of dealt with each other. Uh, two different styles, that's for sure.
4: It's funny. It was such a different era, right? Because, um, you know, now they're the, any you ask Ben Hebert or you ask any of those guys on Howard's team or Martin's team, back then it was any cash Beal was they, they qualified A and played in the final, just about. And, and the, the parity is so much greater now. There's just so many good teams. But it was interesting. It was a real um, sort of heavyweight contest just between those two teams all the time. And you're right. They played quite different styles and uh, kind of a special era in curling. By the way, Joe, is the 2012 USA men's available on your network?
3: Boy, I think it is somewhere. I'm sure if it is really probably what, on YouTube somewhere. That's, that's I mean, really real what people
4: want to watch. That's really what people want to watch.
3: Yeah, it was an undefeated team. I think uh, somewhere out of the yeah,
4: east coast. Yeah, really unbelievable.
3: So uh, as we wrap things up here, Dean, I'm going to take a uh, a page from your playbook and let you uh, mention anything that you want to plug, any sponsors that you might have, or any websites you want to put to, put out there for people.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I like you, you bring that up. I hosted the Curling Show podcast for years. Uh, I think from '05 to 2017, and. You know, that was back when teams really had to scramble, well, they still do, but teams scrambled for sponsors and I wanted to give them a chance to get a sponsor plug-in. Of course, I don't have a team sponsor right now unless somebody wants to sponsor my senior team next year or my Monday night league team in New Jersey. But a uh, couple of things I would plug, I guess, uh, Fit to Curl, the book is uh, is available on Amazon as a Kindle book. We sold our entire print run. I have four copies that I'm keeping for myself, so that's about it. But that's available on Amazon. Brush like a badass as an ebook is available on Amazon. Um, we're certainly learning more things about brushing all the time, so I may have to update that again. And then my company down here that I that I operate with, Dean Roth out of New Jersey, and and Chad McMullen's involved too at Curl NYC. Uh, we run events. We'll run an event just about anywhere on any ice. And despite being a curling snob who always hated bad curling ice we found it's actually been a great way to introduce people to the game wherever they are. So we've run curling on outdoor ice on rooftops in Manhattan. Uh, we did a, a big event with the New Jersey Devils uh, in the Prudential Center in Newark um, on their ice. So that, so we're always – Curl NYC is always available to put events together. We basically bring everything. So we have, I think, about 11 sets of rocks now and all the equipment to do that many sheets. So uh, those will be my plugs, I guess, Joe.
3: Well, thanks so much, Dean. Appreciate it. Uh, certainly appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us on the extra extra end.
4: And thank you, Joe, for having me on. And, uh, and I, I want to also thank you and, and Brian, uh, and your wife for putting up with your absences, but I, I want to thank you guys for uh, all you've done to, to create 12th End sports network, uh, and the coverage you've provided for our U S men's and women's nationals and, and throughout the sport. But, uh, I know like i said i think 2012 was the first year it was streamed uh and and it's really made a made a difference you know the quality's improved a lot since 2012 you've upped it quite a bit thanks to i know bill peskov has been a big part of that for my club in new jersey but i just want to thank you guys for the effort you put into that and uh i, I do know it's provided real value to both uh you know the usca and, and just the curling community in general that people can watch those games and it wasn't all that long ago that, uh, that we didn't have that. So uh, many thanks to you and Brian.
3: Thanks so much, Dean. We really appreciate it.
2: All right, awesome interview there. The Godfather with Dean Gimmel. Appreciate Dean's time uh, with us this week on the Extraction Podcast. Again, don't forget, you can listen every single week, tsn.us forward slash podcast. But make it easier on yourself, folks. You can go to the website, but you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and just search Extra Extra End, and you will find us. Hit the subscribe button right there, and look, it would be awesome. Leave us a review. Five stars would be wonderful. We'll take four. We'll take anything you want to give us. More ratings just helps make it easier to find for other people on the Extra Extra End or for curling fans in general. Uh, so go and subscribe and get it delivered right to your phone, iPad, desktop, wherever you may be every single week because we do have more to come this season on the Extra Extra End. As we continue, myself, Bryce Atkinson, and the Godfather, um, Joe, the Futures Camp uh, canceled. The Athletes Futures Camp, we find that out just uh, this week. No surprise. Um, <clears throat> that was scheduled for May 1st and 2nd in Chaska. That will be a no-go um, due to, obviously, the the COVID-19 uh, ongoing situation that we are all dealing with.
3: Yeah, it's too bad because, you know, athletes who maybe could have been you know better discovered, I guess, for lack of a better word, I mean, uh, are getting – sort of getting the shaft here, unfortunately. And, you know, as those teams for the, for the next year are probably going to have to be introduced pretty soon, this was one of those opportunities that, that some athletes were going to get a chance to get in front of, uh, coaches at USA curling and get an opportunity to sort of show them what they're all about. Yeah.
2: So unfortunately that, uh, that has been, uh, you know, that has been shuttered for, uh, you know, coming up, but, you know, I, in talking with some athletes recently and, you know, right now, again, the the unknown is is the is one of the big moments of of this entire situation amongst many many other things. But you know, I I, I still have some uncertainty. Not just me, but I think uh, other athletes I've talked to have have expressed some uncertainty in, you know, in just how much of a quote unquote season will we have, uh, you know, coming up uh, starting what August and September. I, you know, I know that some of the smaller events on the World Curling Tour that you know, they've had trouble getting off the ground coming up this fall, obviously due to the ongoing situation um, financially with everybody taking mo- – most everybody, I should say, taking a haircut uh, to some degree. But a lot of those events, Joe, you know, like a Shorty Jenkins Classic or, you know, uh, uh, Canad ends. you know, maybe the, the, the prize money's not – Crazy good, but you know you might have some a solid sponsorship. You know a company you know that that obviously is you know run into some economic and financial trouble due to you know the ongoing uh, COVID situation. You know that haircut may uh, you know they may not have that kind of extra income or you know extra money to to go out and put uh, as a title sponsor for some of these events and you know some of these smaller events that a lot of teams use to warm up and you know get get going into a season. They may not exist. I mean, what if there's some travel bans that are still in place, you know, for, you know, across the border, coming from Europe over here? There's just still so many unknowns. But I can tell you right now, uh, as far as what next season will look like, I, in talking with some players, I think there's some, uh, there's some mighty big questions that are still out there and just how much of a season we'll have next year.
3: Yeah, you know, Bryce, um, one of the things to think about is, let's say they, they cut the you know, season down a couple months. Let's say we start in November, instead of like September, right? All these events that might happen in that time frame are probably going to be in very high demand um, as teams are looking to kind of build some points for whatever kind of rankings that they need to get into slams and uh, qualify for different events. Um, So maybe the teams that are sort of second tier are the ones that are going to probably suffer the most um, in that they may not have the opportunity to get into some events that they might have normally been able to get into. Um, So maybe that's a secondary factor. Should things get, you know, delayed a couple months, but you know what, happens if things get delayed till uh, January? I mean, how do you qualify teams for nationals? How do you, like there's a lot of things here in terms of USA curling that are probably up in the air. I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to start in the fall, um, that we'll have some sort of uh, testing process in place uh, here in New York state uh, where my club can get off the ground uh, on time. But, you just don't know right now. Things are very much up in the air, and as is, 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 um, governors in certain states are trying to reopen things this early, that really concerns me <laughs> <laughs> where we're going to be in a few months. I just think that we – if we could just hold on here for maybe another month, we might get by this, but it – start opening things up again i don't know what the heck is going to happen it could be pretty dangerous
2: well i and, and i'm not i'm not getting political here in any way shape or form but i i'm with you like i live in a state right now in south carolina that i the decisions to quote unquote open up for business right now to me it's just it's 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 mind-blowing i you know, yeah yeah I think you know, hunker down. Like, let's just hunker this thing out a little bit longer. And I know it's it, you don't just hunker it out until you know June first, and then bam, it's the, the virus is gone. I just think that you start going out and about, and people start acting like uh, everything's normal again. Uh, this thing's going to reappear, Uh and it's well, it's not going. It's not that it's going to disappear, but it's going to come back, and it could be coming back with even bigger bite, you know, a vengeance than than this round. And I, I just. I know there's people out there that have lost jobs, plenty of people. I know there's plenty of families that are hurting. Um, I'm not negligent to that. I want to get back to work and to normal and everything, you know, that comes with being open again as a nation. But I think we, you know, a lot of places got to pump the daggum brakes on this thing because, you know, while cases are still going up for a, for a governor to say, well, you know what, we're going to start opening things back up and they haven't even hit peak and plateau yet I think it's crazy and that you know obviously translates to you know to athletics and stuff I and mean, you know nobody knows what's going to happen with you know a lot of fall sports but you know I I I don't know man uh it's speculatory. I I've just got this gut feeling deep down that w- we may not have a curling season until the 1st of 2021 but that is just a speculatory feeling on my own part Joe
3: yeah, I guess it sort of depends on where you are in the country, probably, and where we stand with testing and maybe treatment. It doesn't sound like there's going to be a vaccine anytime soon, but if we can somehow come up with treatments that are effective, um, a testing protocol that that uh, traces contacts back and makes sure that, you know, people are quarantined, that might be a way to kind of move forward until a vaccine is available. But, man, I, I think you're right. We're, we're certainly in danger of losing a lot of uh, more sports. Uh, it's... It, And, you know, that's certainly not the the greatest concern right now. Um, But when we're talking about a curling podcast, you know, the the start of the season certainly looks like it might be in some jeopardy.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, hopefully that will not be the case. But I think what you said, you hit on the two main things, testing uh, being more widespread, being able to to test more and more people, whether it's temperature checks, you know, walking into a door, um, you know, a place of work, whatever. But expanding testing so more and more people can have it and then the vaccine. I mean, that to me, ultimately, uh, nothing is going to be opened up like we had it before until there is a vaccine. I'm no doctor, but I think it's pretty crystal clear that those are the two main sticking points is expanded testing and a vaccine. All right, Joe, um, let's move on from COVID because our, I mean, our, 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 certainly our thoughts and prayers are with everybody you know, that has been affected by this, you know, again, well wishes out to Anne Swishelm, really enjoyed. And I, and I say enjoyed loosely because, you know, you could hear how much she was struggling last week, but really just enjoyed the time with her, you know, to be able to talk about and and spread some awareness on this situation. But our thoughts uh, are with her, with everybody that, you know, has been affected because we all have directly, indirectly, in some way by this obviously terrible ongoing pandemic, but Happier things um, to talk about. We'll finish with some draft stuff. And, and the first draft thing, I want to ask you about Joe is, you know, the what, what was the voting for our um, for our fantasy draft or our Team USA draft? I haven't looked at it. Uh, in full disclosure, I, I think it's been about oh, a week. Man. So give me an update because you and I, you, me, and Specs and Jerry Gertz, we all drafted uh, our respective teams of active U.S. players. Uh, then you, we put it to a vote. It was a great episode. It was a lot of fun. If you missed it, uh, go back, not last week's episode, but the one before that. Jerry Gertz, uh, Dustin he specs himself, uh, and then you, uh, myself, and, and what Jerry, uh, it was all of us that we did, and we did the draft. You put it for a vote. Give us an update. Is the voting even still open? I don't even know. I mean, you may have closed it, but where, where do things stand? Where did it finish? What were the final results?
3: So voting is still open, but I think um, what we can do is declare a general manager of the year, Okay, um, and, and I think it's due to all the Price of Maniacs out there. Price Atkinson, general manager of the year in the oh. fantasy foot. Or, sorry, fantasy curling draft of 2020. Um, let's just break down the women's side. Well, actually, don't this. let's break down the men's side first. Okay. The men's side, uh, there were a total of, uh, I believe it was 69 votes, okay. and... Team Price, which was made up of Rich Ronan, Smitty, Tom Howell, Steve Berklett, and the uh, retired Tyler George,
2: got 30
3: of those votes. 30 of the votes, 43% of the vote.
2: That is strong. Not a
3: majority, but a strong plurality for Team Price. Strong. uh, Next best was uh, Team Curling Zone. That's Team Jerry Gertz, and he had Schuster Polo, uh, Mirky Fenner, and Andy Rosa. Then it was Team Godfather, who had 23% of the vote, with right. Dropkin, Violet, Hamilton, Landsteiner, and Heath McCormick. And then Team Specs brought up the rear. He had only two votes. It was Fies, Huffman, Nurnberger, Alex Fenson, and Bob Nichols. So uh, Price Atkinson, general manager of the year on the Ooh. men's side. Now, on the women's side, Price, I think they got to put you on the payroll, especially <laughs> for the women's side, apparently, because – you dominated on the women's side. There were 71 votes on the women's side. You got 52 of those votes. 72% of the vote went to Team Price. Holy. It was made up of Jamie, Jamie Sinclair, Becca Hamilton, Sarah Anderson, Delaney Strauss, and Deb McCormick as the retired player. Ooh, strong. Yeah, that was a super strong team, apparently. I had uh, 12% of the vote. I was second. I had uh, Steph Senecker, Corey Christensen, Vicky Persinger, and Eileen Geving. Okay. And Erica Brown is my retired player. All right, and then uh, Specs third plate, uh, Tab, and Tara Peterson, Taylor Anderson, Lexi Lanigan, Allison Pottinger, and then uh, Team Curling Zone got five votes: uh, Nina Roth, Cassie Potter, Courtney George, and Madison Bear, and uh, Natalie Nicholson. So that was uh, how it, it it broke out, and now voting is still open. Um, All Things right. could change, but i got to believe, Price, that uh, no one's going to overcome that depth, that uh, lead you've got on them. So congratulations. You should be on USA Curling <laughs> Payroll as the general manager, at least of the women's program, if not both.
2: So I should have applied for the high-performance uh, the director's job that Jeff Plush is currently, uh, well, I guess applications have closed, but he's interviewing for. So I had no idea. I just know that we had put it to a vote. I hadn't looked in at least a week. <laughs> But to know no, I did not ask you that a leading question. I promise you, but did not expect that, especially on the men's side. I thought on the men's I liked my women's team I to me, I'd go with that women's team, and I feel like I'd smoke everybody. but on the men's side, ah you know some people hit me up and said, "Why in the world would you take Smitty right there at at four or five? I mean, you could have gotten him much later. I'm like, dude, don't be demeaning my man Smitty. Don't be calling him a third or fourth round pick. I like that team. I thought it was pretty solid. More than anything, I thought it was a fun team. But I guess people wanted team fun, you know, instead of team win when it came to uh, my men's team.
3: Well, certainly your team would have the most fun. There's no doubt about it. There there probably wouldn't be a casino safe anywhere (laughs) in the country where they were traveling. Uh, But, you know, they're certainly a good, strong, curling team as well. So. Um, congratulations! You did terrific in the, in the first of the uh, T E S N fantasy curling drafts.
2: Well, I'll take it. In a quick shout out, speaking of Tyler George, you mentioned uh, shout out to his uh, the family-owned liquor store there in in Duluth. George's Liquor now on Twitter at George's GM Liquor. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I I always say that was a good uh quarantine uh COVID-19 uh move by by Tyler to get on on Twitter there. I thought it was funny when that popped up, but uh yeah, shout out to him uh and everybody there in Duluth, but um uh, Inspects also for for co-hosting with me last week. He Specs has a lot of fun doing this, Joe, if if you haven't uh if you haven't picked up on that, but you know, if you <laughs> want have. Anybody want to uh support the the Pickwick uh restaurant and you know, grill there in, in downtown Duluth? Certainly you can do that. Uh, Support your local restaurants. I know uh, we're all doing that in local communities across the country, but enjoyed Specs uh, joining us last week, and hopefully think he's going to be with us maybe another time or two here this season. Uh, He has too much fun. We can't kick him off. But, Joe, uh, go from one draft to the next, man. NFL draft before we get out of here. Your Buffalo Bills, the Bills Mafia, what, no first-round picks – you're more in tune to this NFL stuff than, than I am. I have been bored to tears by the NFL for years. But like I said in the first segment, I'm excited for tonight. Um, Bills, Panthers, what's going to happen? you got nothing that's going to happen unless what you trade up or trade out. I don't know when I say trade out, I mean trading a player. But what the heck's the story tonight, man? Are you excited?
3: Yeah, I mean I'd probably be a little bit more excited if the Bills were drafted in the first round for sure. But uh, what I would say about Brandon Bean is he's very uh, active on the trade front, generally on draft day. He may trade up uh, to get into the first round. It wouldn't surprise me if he somehow traded to get into the end of the first round. Um, I'm not sure who they would be going for exactly. But if that doesn't happen, uh, I would look for them maybe to make a trade tomorrow for Leonard Fournette, Ooh. Uh, running back – out of Jacksonville. I think that they could get him for a, a, a day three pick if they really want them. Um, Jacksonville's, I guess, been holding out a little bit, I guess hoping for a little bit better uh, pick. But um, last I'm hearing is that, you know, maybe it was a sixth round pick like that might be able to get him I think yeah, that's a no brainer for the Bills. I'd take it for fifth for sure. Um, we'll have to see how it sort of plays out. Uh, otherwise, maybe they go offensive line. Uh, Josh Allen had – was pressured in one third of the drop back passes that he had last year, which is, was something like third, you know, the third most in the league. So I'd like to see uh, him get a little bit more time in the pocket. So that's what I'm looking for there. Now, uh, price. Now the Panthers, they, they have shifted their attention or, or their, 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 franchise quarterback, I guess, from Cam Newton to uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Right. So what are you expecting out of them?
2: Um, <laughs> You know, I think the Panthers—they got a new coach, Matt Rule, coming from Baylor. Um, I, I like Matt Rule coming on board. I think he's—you uh, know—I think he's going to have a new approach. Can he succeed? A guy straight from college. I mean, he's got the NFL background. We'll see. As you mentioned, Cam Newton shown the door. Um, several other players traded. Trying to do some things, uh, some new things. Um, <clears throat> they need a defensive tackle they've only got I think one on the roster uh, the last I read I could see them taking Derek Brown out of Auburn uh, the number what do we number seven pick is it seven or nine I think it's seven they've got the seven pick um, the one I've really seen is uh, if they if uh, Isaiah Simmons the outside linebacker slash safety from Clemson if he drops to seven he's not going to fall any further than that I personally if it's the Panthers and I had the choice, and Marty Herney, the GM, I'm moving out of the seven slot and trying to move down, uh, move back a little bit, maybe you know twelve, thirteen range. Maybe pick up another first rounder somewhere late in the first round. I mean, they need they've got they need so much help in, in so many different places. Not at quarterback, but really on defense, and they need another defensive back. And they let James Bradbury go; uh, he's gone. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things they could do. So they have to
3: replace Luke Kuechly too.
2: Uh, Keekley, they'd have to replace that's why they could replace him uh, you know Shaq Thompson who was a safety at Washington they drafted him as a linebacker a few years ago he's there and he will probably be the man in the middle next year I would think but if you got you could get Isaiah Simmons a guy that can play all over the field on defense they're going to do it um, if they can I, I would expect them to get a defensive tackle it'll be a defensive player for sure you know, that they, uh, that they take first, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are, are going to have questions, Joe, <clears throat> as far as, uh, being a, a Packer, or a Viking fan. I don't know what you've seen. I know the Vikings have, uh, what, two first round picks in the Vikings are at 30, I believe I've, I've seen the, uh, the Packers at 30, taking a uh, wide receiver because there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft. Um, I think what I've seen out of uh, the Vikings, that they're going to take a defensive back for sure at 22. I don't know what they're going to do at 25. People listening know the Vikings better than I do. It's almost a guarantee it's a DB at 22.
3: I would think it probably would be defense. I mean, they traded the, – the reason why they have two first-round picks is because they traded their best receiver to the Bills for a first-round first pick and a bunch more. Um, so I guess they, they, it's unlikely that they would take a receiver uh, just to replace the one that they gave up. Um, So I
2: would probably take something on defense. Kind of makes sense. Yep. So, uh, I mean, that's, look, as as far as NFL draft goes, you know, even if you're not a, you know, an NFL or a pro football fan, to me it's going to be a fascinating exercise to see how this thing plays out, the virtual nature that it's going to be, because obviously it was supposed to be in Las Vegas that, you know, due to what's going on, that's going to be all done on the phone virtually the how highly rated this is going to be or how how highly watched I should say because we are all sports fans of whatever color is your sport people we're just craving it i mean it's always been that one escape we've had from you know a disaster maybe a personal tragedy or tragedy or something it's always been the one thing that we could escape to for a little while a couple hours and that has been a wall for what, six six weeks since basically the, the the beginning of March. Everybody that's anybody, if you have sports in your blood, I think you're tuning into this because this is like just, you know, a chance to, a, kind of a chance to breathe, so to speak, and take in some of that sports air.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess the only other thing that I would want to ask you as a result of what might be happening tonight, do you think that Joe Burrow is more Peyton Manning or Johnny Manziel? Like, I, I for some reason, I get the impression that, because he'll go to the Bengals, he'll be more Johnny Manziel than he'll be Peyton Manning. But I don't
2: know. I think Burrow's legit. Um, the reason why I think he's legit, you know, he, he's got the edge like Manziel had. Like, he, like he got, you have an edge, like a swagger. He's got that. But he's not a knucklehead like, like Manziel was. I, I don't think Burrow's a knucklehead at all. I don't think he's the, most, the smartest dude in the room. But I think when it comes to football field, he's got smarts. And you saw how he. I mean, he just. I mean, surgically picked apart teams last year. Um, the problem is where you are going. You are going to play for the for the for the bungles. You know what do you have around? I mean, it's been an organization that. I mean, Marvin Lewis was head coach for years. I mean, if they made the playoffs, they never seemed. I don't remember them getting out of that first round or wild card game. I mean, they've been a a, a perennial doormat, so to speak, and a, an organization that shown hasn't shown any ability to take the the steps as is an elite franchise. So. I mean, if that's my biggest worry is, you know, what is Joe Burrow going to do there? I mean, is is he going to do anything? Is he going to live up to a lot of the hype that a number one, you know, pick as a you know, quarterback would be? The other one is, is Tua Bailoa <clears throat> out of out of Alabama. To me, that's the bigger curiosity because, you know, I've heard a lot of people, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he's, you know, obviously you know, if he hadn't got hurt, he'd be the next greatest thing, you know. There was an analyst, I can't remember, Merrill Hogue, out of, I think he's out of the Boston area, and he went and was looking at tape, and you'll get anybody to analyze it. And look, they, those people know far more about football than I do. I don't know the last time an, an, an Alabama quarterback had any sustained success, much less star power in the NFL. The last one I can think of would be Joe Namath. Um, I mean, you're beset. So it's, it's the Alabama syndrome. You're beset with an all-star team. Uh, around you he had the best set of wide receivers in the country last year Um, and some of the points that were made about him is you know he he had open throws and he didn't exactly hit them you know between the numbers some of them had to make great catches you're not going to have the best offensive line that money can buy anymore he's small is he going to translate and a lot of Alabama players just don't translate uh, for a lot of those reasons and that's the one I'm curious about. Where does he go? How high does he go? Cuz you know when team when there's a run on quarterbacks. I mean, look, we could see in the end of the in the end of the first round the the Patriots drafting some dude that may have had a fifth-round grade as a quarterback, but you know, I'm I'm just interested to see what happens. The quarterbacks are always the fascinating thing. They're always valued higher than they should be. Uh Tungavilowe to me is the one that's overvalued. I I just don't I don't know. I don't see it from from what I've seen.
3: Yeah, I mean, he certainly seems talented, and, you know, before his injuries, you know, I could see him being drafted, you know, maybe one or two here, and he may still be drafted too, who knows, like, the way things kind of shake out, but I, I kind of agree with you. I would never draft somebody who had the kind of injury history that he does, pretending that they didn't have that injury history, yeah. so um, that's sort of that's sort of the problem that I have, that I have with, with Tua at this point.
2: Yeah, Uh, the other one is wide receiver. Uh, Just, I mean, there's just so many, so many good wide receivers uh, in the draft. You know that, especially high major wide receivers. Guys that played at at Alabama, Clemson, uh, LSU. I mean, boy, it is loaded with guys who can catch the ball, and not just ones that catch it. Big guys can go up and get balls. So. I don't know, man. I, I'm just, I just need drama. I need sports drama. Uh, and It's been one of the most boring. It's been a snooze fest, in, in my opinion, for years. And, and I won't change that opinion after this when it goes back to normal. But, but, damn it, man, I can't wait for tonight. Bring it on, Joseph. Bring it on.
3: That sounds... Sounds good. Let's uh, make sure there's no technical difficulties tonight. That's all I care about. I want to see actual players getting drafted.
2: I do, too. All right, Joseph, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, hope your family is uh, is safe. Hope you guys are, are doing well. Uh, our well wishes with, with everybody um, that's going through this. We're, we're all in this together. Stay safe. Stay home. Just be smart about it. Uh, you know, we talked about opening up and some other places that are, are starting to, to just show a little bit of life and movement now, which, you know, if that's the case, you know, just you know, be safe out there. This, this is not going away anytime soon. It is going to remain out there. But we will remain with you, Joe, for another couple weeks because we got uh, more to do here on the podcast. And we will do it again next week uh, for Joe Calabrese, the godfather himself on Price Atkinson. Thanks to everybody for listening. We will see you then.
1: Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra End Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th Inn Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra End podcast.
0: Llegó la venta envuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Red Row después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.